you are getting accustomed to me forgetting to mention certain things, and in the announcement time, something that I did fail to mention that I want to call your attention to. Next Sunday, August the 9th, at the 11 o'clock service, we will have the ordination service for two newly elected deacons, Steve Evans and Tracy Long. So I hope that you'll be remembering them in prayer as they begin their service here as deacons at the church. I also want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 15 in just a few minutes. Okay, let me, um, what I'm going to do is pray, and then I'm going to give you a quick review of the first two messages. Remember last Sunday, the youth came back from camp, and what a blessing they were as they shared about being snowbird, both the, uh, the youth and also the adults. But please, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, remind us that you are here. And just as you spoke to Isaiah thousands and centuries ago, Lord, you want to speak to us your truth in these moments ahead. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that the same Spirit that guided and directed Isaiah as he penned these words and as he spoke them to the people of his day, that you will now take those words and speak to us. God, speak to us as individuals. Speak to us as a church. Speak, O God, again to us as a nation that we would repent of sin and we would turn back to you. God, be glorified in these moments ahead. And Lord, help that whatever decision we as hearers of your word need to make in this hour, that we'll make those decisions under your guidance and for your glory. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Here's a quick review, okay, of the first two weeks. True prophets are like good doctors. A true prophet of God, and there were a multitude of false prophets, but true prophets of God did at least three things. They diagnosed the case that God had against his people. Secondly, they prescribed a re- remedy. And thirdly, they warned the patient what would happen if they ignored God's diagnosis in God's Word. In chapter 1 of Isaiah, Isaiah, it seems, is describing a courtroom scene. God is the judge, and God is stating the charges against Israel, his own people. And folks, this is something I need you need for you and I as Christians and as a church to understand. This message is first to God's people. It is not a heathen world, a pagan world that is turned against God, although they had, but it is the very people of God that have turned against their master, their savior, their creator. And so in this first chapter, the Lord is speaking through Isaiah. And I want to point four verses out, okay? Verse 2, for the Lord has spoken. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 18, says the Lord. Verse 20, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And folks, I want you to hear something. As we read and study, not only Isaiah, but any passage of Scripture from the Word of God, this is what God is saying. I'm not up here to give you my opinion about matters, but this is what God Almighty Himself wants you and I to hear. 
And so in these 20 verses, God begins to lay out his charges against his very own children. Verse 2, 3, and 4, God's children have become a rebellious children. Israel has broken God's covenant. And a covenant in the Old Testament is comparable to a marriage agreement in our day. God had bound himself to these people, but they were breaking his covenant. They were trying to break the the binds, the bounds of God in their lives. They've turned against God. And he uses an illustration as of animals who give more devotion to their masters than God's people give to him. In verse 5 and 6, their rebellion is continuous. The whole nation has become spiritually dead. And God uses the illustration of a sick human body that is consumed with disease to describe the spiritual condition of his own children, Israel. In verses 7, 8, and 9, instead of God's people becoming a people living in a land of milk and honey, they are being destroyed by aliens not people from out of space, but foreign pagan people as a result of their sin against God. And folks, the holy city of Jerusalem is being compared to Sodom and Gomorrah. How humiliating this must have been for the people. But in verse 9, God will leave a few survivors, the remnant, who will continue to obey God And God will be able to work through them to keep the promises that he made to Abraham that Abraham's descendants would be greater than the dust or the sand of the earth and stars in the heaven. God is always going to have a people that is going to serve him. And you and I as a church need to ask ourselves, are we going to be faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes back? And regardless if all the rest of the world turns against God, will we be found faithful? And folks, then in verses 10 through 14, and this I believe is very upsetting or should be, God becomes disgusted with their worship. You see, their worship has become simply religious acts and ceremonies, but God knows their hearts. And let me read to you, the scripture is going to begin at verse 15, but let me read verse 14. God says to his people, your new moons, your appointed feast." My soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Folks, you and I hear what God is saying. That even when his people met together in worship, it, it was something that, that made God in essence sick, if we could put it that way. That people came, it was all form. It was no no true worship of God. God was not allowed to speak to their heart. God was not allowed to challenge them and change them and direct them. And has our worship become that in our day? And I thank God that you are so faithful in your attendance. But folks, are we allowing God to speak to us and do anything in us and through us and to us so that when we leave this place, we make a difference in the world that we're living in? And it seems as if the church of Jesus Christ no longer matters in the United States. 
Folks, it is time that we allowed our worship of God to change us and transform us and empower us to lead this place and to serve the living God. So, folks, that's where we got to two weeks ago. So let me now read these verses, these final six verses that we had been focusing on. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. And in verse 15, God is still speaking about their worship. Listen to this. Verse 15, when you spread forth your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Now let me point something out. As you already know in the Old Testament, the people, many of the people, when they stood together as a congregation, as they prayed, they would lift their hands to God. And in essence, they were saying, God, our hands are empty. We have nothing to offer you. You are the great and mighty God. But as someone told me, Tom Gillum told me one Sunday after I mentioned this for the first time, he said, I've got another take on that. As the people stand before God, they're opening their hands saying, God, we surrender ourselves to you. But God saw not just the lifted hands and the, and the wordy prayers, but God saw that the people's heart was not in tune with Him. And it was fake worship. Folks, they were trying to impress God with something that they were not, and that was sincerely committed to Him. And God, you and I, folks, you and I need to understand that, that we can't fool God. And folks, I'm guilty as a preacher. I'd be the first one to act one way around you and another perhaps when I'm away from you. Folks, one of the difficulties of being a pastor is that I know y'all expect certain behavior out of me, but I need to forget that I'm, I'm responsible not just to you, but I'm responsible for the Savior who died on the cross for me. And I should be sincere in all that I do. Folks, listen. Had God stopped loving these people, or as we would say in our day, had God got an attitude toward them? Folks, let me point something out. God's turning away from them and not listening to their prayers is because of their sin and rebellion. And something you and I as Christians need to come to grips with, just as before we were born into the kingdom of God, sin was separating us from God. Even as believers, when we deliberately and willfully sin against God, we are separating ourselves from Him. Listen to what Isaiah 59.2, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, let me stop right there for just a second. Let me read the rest of these verses, okay? Let me read the rest of these verses. Verse 16. Verse 16 and 17, this is God's call to repentance. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Verse 17, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. And then in verse 18, God gives an invitation. Listen to this. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you, now listen to this. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Again, has God stopped loving these people? Absolutely not. 
All that is going on is a result of sin. We separate ourselves from God when we willfully and deliberately sin against Him. And as proof of that, listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 59:2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you so that He does not hear. Now, folks, again, let me make, I think, a very strong biblical point. If we feel distant from God, has God ran and hid himself from us? Absolutely not. What has happened is we have allowed our sins and iniquities to become a separation between us and our God. And folks, in line with what we've studied here about how the people of Israel's worship was was devastating to God's heart because he wanted a people that were pure and sincere. How does God see our worship today? Would God, will God judge us for the insincere worship we give him? Are we here, and again, I thank God that you are here, but are we here just going through the motions? Are we giving God lip service? Are we giving God as little of our time and talents as possible? Folks, did God give us the minimum of his love? Absolutely not. He gave us love to the max. Secondly, is our worship really humbly standing before God, repenting of sin, seeking his face, volunteering to do service for him? Right now, what are we thinking about? Is our focus on God. Hear this not as criticism. Hear this, folks. If we don't get things straight, we're going to be just like the people in Isaiah's day. And maybe we're already there. Folks, we need to look at ourselves this moment. And thank God again for your faithfulness in worshiping. Many of you have come to this church all of your life. And I hope the rest of my life I'll be coming to this church. But folks, are we coming with the purpose of worshiping God? It's our worship here today strengthening us to move forward with the ministry that Christ has given to each one of us. And folks, we must honestly confess there are a lot of sins that we need to confess and repent of as Christians, isn't it? As a church. Folks, again, let's be honest today. Folks, should not the judgment of God fall on us and even on our nation? Remember, that's where we got started. God was getting ready to judge the nation of Israel. But folks, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look at verses 16 and 17. God calls His people to repent. And I want to read verses 16 through 20. This is not going to be on the overhead, but let me read this to you out of the Living Bible. Isaiah 1, 16 to 20. Oh, wash yourselves, be clean. Let me no longer see you doing all these wicked things. Quit your evil ways. Now, that speaks to everybody. The preacher, everybody. Quit your evil ways. Learn to do good, to be fair, to help the poor, the fatherless, the widow, the widows. Come, let us talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you're stained as red as crimson, I can make you white as wool. If you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. But if you keep on turning your backs and refusing to listen to me, you will be killed by your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
Folks, listen. As I said from the very first message, the book of Isaiah is about the coming judgment of God, but it's about the coming mercy and grace of God. The first 39 chapters focus on what will happen if the people don't repent. Beginning with verse 40 through the end of the book, chapter 66, God's mercy and grace are being given out. Folks, God does not want to judge His children. He wants to love His children. He wants to provide for His children and take care of His children. Amen. And in verse 18, there's God's invitation to, for a sinful, rebellious people to come back to Him. Folks, so often as a nation, don't we wait until tragedy, until judgment falls? Folks, have you heard... Anybody in the government say lately, pray for our nation like you did when we entered the Gulf Wars, if you're old enough to remember that, or when the Twin Towers were attacked, or some horrific event has happened. How long has it been since someone has simply said, we need to turn back to God, we need to pray for Him, we need to become a godly nation again. We're going in the exact opposite direction. And God says in this passage of Scripture, let us reason together. Now, let me point something out. Remember again that the the context of this is God is the judge. This is a court case. Reason here in verse 18 does not mean that God is asking the criminal's opinion. God's not going to ask my opinion your opinion about what's right and wrong. He has already decided what is godly and ungodly, what is holy and unholy. And He has revealed that to us in His Word and in the example of His Son and in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, which is trying to lead us in the path that honors and gives praise to God. And so God, in this passage of Scripture, is not asking the criminal's opinion, but saying, listen to me, because instead of pronouncing judgment, God wants to offer pardon. For you and I living thousands of years after Isaiah, the greatest example of this pardon is the cross. And folks, in Isaiah 53 that we've mentioned often, Isaiah sees a picture of the cross and one who will come and take upon himself our sins. So God does not want to judge. God wants to give mercy and grace. But in verse 16 and 17, make no doubt that the nation of Israel, you and I, the United States of America, must repent and turn from sin. And then what will God do? In verse 18, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like, and a good translation of that is white wool. Folks, listen. When you and I confess our sin and repent of sin, repent means that we're not going to get involved in it again. You know, it's easy to confess our sin, then we fall right back in it, isn't it? It's kind of like a person being on a diet. And believe me, I've been there and done that and know about that. I'm not going to eat any desserts today. Have you ever said that before? From breakfast to lunch, and that's normally not the time I eat my desserts. I, man, everything goes smooth. I have any trouble staying away from sweets. But then when I get home at night and there's ice cream in the freezer and there's, there's cake or there's whatever, I don't indulge myself. But I I set out that morning, I'm going to turn away from this stuff. I'm going to limit my intake. I'm going to discipline myself. 
Folks, I'm not trying to be silly. I'm trying to make a point. How many of us right now this moment say, you know, the Word of God, and I'm not saying Herbert, the Word of God is right. There's some things in my life that are sinful and wrong. And I need to walk away from them. By the help and grace of God, I need to confess that they're wrong. They're dishonoring God. They're causing my witness to be weakened. And I'm going to confess them to God, and I'm going to walk away from them. But don't we sometimes we say, well, Lord, I think this is wrong. You know, a lot of other people are doing what I'm doing. Even in the church, you know, even some of my buddies. But this ain't between you and your buddies and you and the church. This is between you and God, me and God. And folks, we need to get right with what God says is right and wrong for you and I as Christians, as his children. Amen. But listen to this. Here is... Some good news. When we confess our sin, what does God do with it? Two of my favorite verses in the Bible, 1 John 1, 9. I love this verse. And folks, this verse was written to Christians. If we confess our sins. Read the rest of this with me. He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, God has every right to punish His people for their sins, but in His grace, He offers us forgiveness and pardon. Amen. And listen to this verse. You know it well, 2 Chronicles 7.14. He speaks to the nation. If my people who are called by my name, listen to these things. Listen, this is, is you've heard this verse, it's preached especially at revival. Some have entitled a sermon about this, Formula for Revival. Listen to this. If my people who are called by my name, number one, humble themselves. If we humble ourselves before God. Number two, if we pray. Number three, if we seek God's face. Number four, if we turn from our wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven will forgive their sin and heal their land. Do you want things that are wrong and bad and ungodly and unholy and destructive of our nation? Do you want those things to change? It begins with me and you. It begins with this church. It begins with our walk with the Lord. And prayerfully, as we shine our light to the world around us, our nation will humble itself and pray and seek the face of God and turn from our wicked ways. And then God will bring healing. Folks, the Word of God is a continuous story about how God's people refuse to obey Him. In verse 19, and again, I wanted to stay true and and give you some information about these verses. In verse 19, God says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Folks, you and I make a choice. We make a choice every single day whether we're going to live for the Lord Jesus or we're just going to kind of halfway do it or a quarter of the way do it. And it might be that we've become so discouraged in our day, we just throw our hands up and quit and say, It's not going to make a difference. Folks, think about the sphere of influence we have in our lives. And let's just take an old person like me, okay? Now, I'm, I'm being serious in what I'm about to say. As parents, as grandparents, we influence, first of all, our children and our grandchildren. And I believe God has given us the gift of children and grandchildren. One of the responsibilities is to, get, is to help them to understand the love of God. And the way of salvation. 
And folks, do you see what will happen as, as, as each individual home begins to know and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Why has Satan in recent decades attacked the home and marriage and family? Because if Satan can get the home and family disinterested in the things of God, he has won a great victory over the moral fiber of each and every nation. Folks, in these words that Isaiah is giving, it is a call to repentance. It is a call to get right with God, knowing that when we get right with God, God blesses us in a way that we could have never imagined. Amen. Let me read verse 19 again. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But listen to verse 20. If you refuse and rebel you shall be devoured by the sword. Now, folks, we know in the immediate context of the book of Isaiah that God was getting ready to send foreign armies to bring His people, to bring judgment upon His people. Again, this was a result of what they had done. Sin brings results. That's not the results that God wants, but it happens. And again, you know, we're, we're still just getting our, 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 our feet wet in the book of Isaiah. God told them, if you go a certain direction, it's going to... Let me just give you these verses. Okay? I'm just about to wind down. All right. In Proverbs 14:12, and probably read these again next Sunday morning, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. That's Proverbs 14:12. Listen to Jesus. Matthew seven thirteen and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And listen again to Romans six twenty three: For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, the Bible throughout helps us understand God loves us. God wants the best for us. It is Satan and his host and sin itself that wants to destroy us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's a world that is trying to find life. It cannot be found outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. And folks, we are to be a light to the world around us. But what if we're not finding that light? And folks, again, you know, when we become a Christian, Satan's not going to stop working with us. He knows that he's lost our soul, but he wants us to lose our testimony and our witness to others. And folks, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you this morning. I'm just trying to tell you what the Word of God says, okay? God wants you and I living holy lives in obedience to Him, number one, so that He can bless us, and number two, so that we can be a blessing to others. And we can make this world a different place. And it's time for us to hear the Word of the Lord, not only in Isaiah's day, but in our day. God is giving out warnings, not only in Isaiah's day, but I believe in our day. God does not lie. And he says if he's going to do something, he'll do it. Thank God for the ability to confess and repent and God to forgive. 
Because I believe that's where we're at as a nation. We need to turn back to God. And I pray that it will happen in my heart and in your heart. And we'll lead the world to do that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. And even though Isaiah lived many, many years ago, even centuries ago, Father, thank you that because this is your word spoken through a man like each of us or like a a human being like each of us, Father, thank you that it speaks to us today. God, all of us are sinners. Even after becoming a Christian, God, we struggle every day, each and every one of us. But God, help us that we will be a witness to a world that is lost and dying in sin. Help us, Lord, to, to show forth Christ in everything that we do. God, help, and help even this church, Father, that people would know that, that we're not a good church simply because we're a Baptist church, but, God, we're a godly church because Christ rules and reigns in our hearts and we seek to serve Him. God, I pray in these moments of invitation that we're about to have, Father, that if there are those here that have never trusted you as their Savior, they've heard the gospel, they've heard that they're, they're a sinner, because all of us are, that sin brings death, that Jesus died on the cross and took the penalty of our sin upon himself so that we might know you and be born into your kingdom. Perhaps they've heard that many times, but I pray today, that your spirit would speak to their heart and they would turn to you. And God, I just pray, God, revive us. Oh, God, help us to see the seriousness of the hour, that it is time for us as Christians and time for us as a church to stand tall for you. God, help us this coming week that we'll be a witness to someone and that they'll see Jesus in us. And God, speak to us. Maybe we have drifted or are drifting away from you. God, may we confess, may we repent, and may we be restored to full fellowship with you. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.